This episode of That's What G Said podcast is brought to you by full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Visit Cindy Carava for all of your real estate needs. On this episode of That's What G Said, we're going to have an interview with Scott Shapiro from Twin Spires and Bet America where we break down all of the NFL Week 5 games. We'll go through the lines and we'll give you our best plays. And then we'll get into some Saturday horse racing, touch on a couple races from Belmont and a couple races from Keeneland. Hope you enjoy and are able to make this a profitable podcast off of the uh, the weekend plays. Best of luck. Thank you, Joey. Hello, everybody. Appreciate you tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said podcast, October the 4th here, 2019, talking sports, pop culture. This will be a mainly sports show. We'll get into some TV show recaps and and more of the pop culture stuff next week. We start talking a little bit about the month of October and Halloween, but this will be a... An NFL heavy and a little bit of horse racing. Before we jump into the interview with Scott Shapiro and the selections, have to go back in time a little bit because Thursday kicked off the MLB playoffs. So first we'll we'll recap those two games. And we had a really good Cardinals-Braves game where the Cardinals scored four runs in the top of the ninth in order to beat the Braves 4-3. Braves come right back and score three in the bottom of the ninth. But what we've seen now in the two National League games, because we saw the Cardinals, Braves, and then we saw the Dodgers, Nationals, the bullpens, right? As soon as the Dodgers were able to get out of, uh, to get Corbin out of the game, you get the Nationals bullpen in, you're able to get Fernando Rodney and a couple runs off Rodney. And that was the case here with Melanson who gives up four. Luke Jackson gave up a couple runs also. Carlos Martinez gave up a couple runs for the Cardinals on their side. So the bullpens, the weaknesses, this was a huge win for St. Louis. Because now, if you're a Cardinal fan, you're up one game to nothing. You stole a game on the road. And the game on the road that you stole was the game where your best pitcher was not pitching. So now, if you're a Cardinals fan, if you're a Cardinal better, you have Flaherty, who has been the best pitcher in baseball through the second half, and the Braves are going to have to beat Flaherty most likely two times in order if they want to win this series. The Cardinals are set up beautifully, beautifully in this series now with that steal of game one. Love what we saw from the Dodgers, workmanlike, not a lot of mistakes, great at bats, didn't chase a lot of bad pitches got on when they needed to, took the walks, and they were able to work the count, get Corbin out early. Just smart baseball. Smart baseball from the Dodgers. The game I'm not going to be able to get over for a little while is that Rams game from last night. That one stings a little bit. 
A little, little bit of a bad taste in, in the mouth on the Rams one. So the Rams end up losing 30-29. to 29. If you listen to the preview, the Thursday night preview, this was going to be one of our plays of the week, uh, NFL plays. The Rams actually were a one-and-a-half point underdog. And so I ended up playing this game on the money line plus 110. The Rams end up losing by one, which means they covered the spread, but we lost our bet because we didn't bet them plus one and a half. We played them plus 110. Uh, this is one that I'm, I'm just going to keep shaking my head on for a while. Three times early in the game, the Rams were inside the 20. Right off the bat, first drive, Seattle fumbles. The Rams get the ball. They're at the Seattle 30. Can't move the ball at all. They have to kick a field goal. So instead of getting a seven, they have to get a three. Next drive. Rams get the ball. They're at the Seattle 14. Can't punch it in. Another field goal. Twice you're inside the 20. Twice you kick field goals right off the bat. Later in the half, down 14-6, the Rams get into the red zone again. At the 20, Todd Gurley fumble. Three times in the 25, you get six points, two field goals, and a fumble. And even with all that, at the end of the half, you're only down one. Then in the second half, some absurd things happen. There's an incredible catch from Tyler Lockett, from Russell Wilson to Tyler Lockett. The most By next-gen stats, this was graded the most improbable completion since 2017. Russell Wilson scrambled 24.6 yards, traveled 13.62 miles per hour at the moment of the pass. The pass traveled 39.2 yards in the air. Tyler Lockett was 0.2 yards from the sideline, 1.1 yards from the back of the end zone, 0.9 yards from Eric Weddle at the moment the pass arrived. Pass was the most improbable completion of the last two seasons and the second most improbable in the next-gen stats era. So that's a touchdown that beats me. And then, how about this sick stat? Even after all of that, even after Seattle's got the ball, they have to score a touchdown to take the lead, they get a gift personal foul. It should have been second and 10. Instead, it's first down, and it gives them a 15-yard penalty, moves them 15 yards closer, and it helps their drive. Horrible officiating. So after... The bad drives where they can't score. The most improbable catch in years. A terrible penalty. It's fourth and five. Seattle scores a touchdown after a bad play by the Rams DB. Rams get the ball. They still have the chance to go ahead. They're moving the ball. And we get Greg Zierlein, Greg the leg, set up for a 44-yard field goal. That's all we need to win. Even after all of this, Greg Zierlein, 112 of 115 on kicks of 44 yards or shorter. And he misses. I guess sometimes as a gambler, we're just supposed to lose, right? I watched this game, this Rams game. Six things needed to go wrong in order for them to lose by one point. That is crazy. I have a a disgusting throw-up taste in my mouth. Vomit. Puke. Gross. As you could tell, I'm obviously over that one. Nonetheless, let's get on to our interview with good buddy Scott Shapiro from Twin Spires and Bet America. Uh, we tackled all of the week 
five NFL games. We'll give you some of our best bets, some of the, the plays that we like, which ways we're leaning, which games to stay away from. Hope you enjoy the interview with Scott Shapiro. Very happy to have a good friend, Scott Shapiro, back on That's What G Said with us. I mean, it is an amazing time of the year, and we welcome in Scott, who you know from Bet America, from Twin Spires, and not only racing, he covers all sports. So for someone like us, Scott, because we like racing, you know, uh, quite a bit, this is pro- this has to be the best time of the year with the big racing weekends on top of the football, on top of college football. We're getting, you know, I'm a big basketball fan. I know you're a college basketball fan. NHL just started also. Baseball playoffs, you know, for me, it's been great the last few years with the Dodgers. This has to be the best time of the year, right? Well, when it comes, it's not close. Like you said, it feels like it's it shouldn't even be close. I guess there's a couple other times. March Madness. Like March Madness, like April-ish too, yeah. Yeah, Derby-ish. Like March to Derby, but I mean, for a couple of weeks here, it's intense. I mean, you got the win and you're in Breeders' Cup races at Keeneland, at Santa Anita. We had some big race near Churchill. And then, of course, football and baseball playoffs, which brings a whole new thing into light. I don't watch that much baseball during the year, but now I'm forced to watch every pitch of every game, kind yeah. of, you know. So, yeah, there's no doubt this is uh, one of the best times, if not the best time of the year. Uh, and football and racing are my top two things other than maybe college hoops. So it's a great time, man. I'm uh, really looking forward to things getting started uh, tonight, Thursday night football, depending yeah. on when you listen to this, and and really – Having a great week and even a good Monday night game for a change. So yeah, so we're recording this right before uh, Monday or uh, Thursday night football and right before um, the MLB playoffs. So um, depending on when you hear it, we'll we'll have some. We probably won't talk much about the Thursday night football game, but when we talk about baseball a little bit, just some overall thoughts. You and I did a preview uh, MLB futures podcast on your show, uh, the Who Do You Like podcast. Back in March before the baseball season even started And now that the season is ended and we look back We actually did pretty well A couple of the futures that I played myself I ended up hitting I think the two Or the one that I'm particular that I was really high on That did well were the Twins They ended up I mean I didn't think they were going to win 100 games <laughs> and, and set the record for the most home runs hit ever But they, they had a really strong season And the Cardinals And I think the, the World Series that I, I had predicted were Was uh, Houston Versus St. Louis, which still has a shot there And you and I were were pretty I think some of the teams that we weren't high on too Like the Cubs we didn't really love I don't think we were super high on the Red Sox Like having as strong of a year as they did last year And so we sniffed out baseball pretty well What do you, what do you think about you know the playoffs now In the next couple of weeks coming up? Yeah, it was a really good year for us. I mean, the Orioles and Cubs unders were the last two routes yeah. I had, and the Cubs really hit <laughs> the skids. We got the Diamondbacks over right. We you you crushed the Twins. I was a part of that, uh, and now I'm sitting on the Cardinals to win the NL as my final wager. Nice. So hope hopefully you know I think the price is certainly good. It's close to eight to one. So we'll hope that uh, they can pull it off. Um, in terms of the playoffs, I'll be honest, I haven't followed. It as much I did more preview work than I did during the year, but it just seems like the Astros are going to be really oh, tough yeah. to beat with that pitching staff. No, yeah, they're 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 loaded, and I'm trying to find weaknesses, and you know, so you want to look into their bullpen to try to find them, but they have like Will Harris, who's over the last five years, like analytics wise, he has some incredible numbers. He's like one of the best relievers that you just don't hear of. Presley is really good, and then Osuna is good, and he's been there, and, and they're going to be able to move. 
you know, a starter or two like Wade right. Miley into the bullpen. And and the difference from for their team, you know, versus the team they're going to be playing, the Astros, like the Rays, the Rays are going to throw out, you know, Morton is the only real starter they have it's right so now. so crazy. And they're going to just throw yeah. out guys for two and three innings every game. And then you're going to have the Astros who are going to throw out Verlander and Cole trying to go complete games, you know, and, and cranky. So it'll be total opposites there. And we'll see if the Yankees and, and Twins, I think that'll be a real fun series because those are the top two uh, teams as far as home runs hit in baseball ever. They've hit the most home runs, so the the ball should be flying out of the ballpark. And then I just... I got to hope this year again for the, for the Doyers. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask you your thoughts. It's, you know, it's been a, from like a fan perspective, it's been a really weird year because I've tried to make sure that all the Dodger fans I've seen just enjoy the process. Right. I think after back to back years of making the world series and then just not winning fans got a little disappointed and, and they feel like the pressure, even the fans feel the pressure this year. Like we got to win, we got to win. And right. I try to look back and fit in like, Hey, the Dodgers haven't really choked. They lost in the World Series to two really good baseball teams. You know, they yeah. beat all the teams that they played in the National League the last couple of years. They had another amazing year. And you saw you've seen what it kind of takes out of the Red Sox having to go through it last year. And it's tough to put back to back years together. So I hope I hope they get there again. You know, and I hope they get a chance to play one of those good teams from the American League. And then all I won't feel as disappointed. I obviously want to win. And I think I think they're loaded this year. Um I, I think this is the best team. They've had the last three years. Does that mean they can't lose? No, because the one team I did not want to face the most is the nice. team they're playing. When you Are you look worried at, about the bullpen? Um, yes. The only the, the thing that I'm not quite as worried about is that the Dodgers bullpen in that they have on this playoff roster really wasn't a lot of the bullpen throughout the year. They're gonna have, you know, guys like uh Dustin May throwing some innings there. Maeda is gonna be in the bullpen a lot more, right. uh, who who helps them quite a bit. Um, they said Rich Hill might start game four. I, you know, he'll probably be in the bullpen at some point. You're gonna have um Stripling giving you some innings. Urias is gonna maybe they're gonna try to have him be like a, a Josh Hader light that can come in at multiple times and give you multiple innings anywhere you need. So I think they just have more options this year. I, I don't think and I think overall they're not going to have to lean on Kershaw to come back on short rest, you know, in the, it, with this team. They're not going to have to lean on Kenley trying to get you two and right. two innings or two plus innings. So I think that's where it may help them, just just having more options. Um, so of course their bullpen's a, a, a you know weakness, but you know what, Scott? When I looked around, I think everyone this year, you know, you have the Yankees who have a really strong bullpen, but nobody really has like dominant bullpens. Um, Somebody's going to step up and that's who's going to win the World Series. That's what happens always. I remember when the Phillies won the World Series. I don't think they give up a a run in in the bullpen the whole playoffs. Last year. Yeah, and so many guys on that Phillies team probably never had career years. I mean, Ryan Madsen, Brad Lidge were unhittable. You had, yeah, so it just goes to show it's going to be about timing and and management by the, the, uh, you know, by the manager to uh, of the bullpen and not overthrowing guys and and uh, hoping it all works. Yeah, Friday is actually a pretty underrated sports day when you get the four baseball games. It's kind uh, of one of the only days when you get 
all for real baseball games. Yeah, yep. like that are important yep. and that matter. And it's kind of baseball has the stage throughout the day. There are very few days where baseball actually gets the stage. Even this year, I think the NBA is going to open the season on game one of the World Series, oh, um, man. which is just kind of bad for both Damn of them. Now. I wish they could have yeah. just split it up one night. <laughs> uh, real quick, before we get into the NFL slate this week, your Wisconsin ba- uh, Badgers, they had a real trap kind of game last week as far as like against the spread. And they were they still were able to win the game, um, but that that's what you have to do when you're a good team after they just beat the crap out of Michigan a few weeks ago. So you know you have a couple big games left on the horizon. How do you feel as a as a Wisconsin fan? And and I don't know if you've looked at the college slate. If you had any college slot thoughts before we get to the NFL? Yeah, first off on the Wisconsin, um, I mean there's flat spots, but there's playing like we did. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a little different. I mean we didn't mm-hmm. play well at all, and the concerns that I had. Before the Michigan game really came to fruition, uh, mainly our quarterback play, Jack Cohn, who really is just a game manager and needs everything to go right. He made some good throws against Michigan, but mind you, I mean, the running game was going and Michigan just didn't show up. I, I'm, I'm a little concerned that that game is going to be an outlier, both from Michigan and from mm-hmm. us when the year's done. Um, but I'm going to remain hopeful. We have somewhat of a bye this week against Kent State and then some tough games. We have Michigan State coming to town, and then we have the game that everybody's looking forward to at Ohio State. So I'm uh, cautiously optimistic and just happy that we had put that game together on the big stage versus Michigan. In terms of the slate this week, I didn't have any real strong opinions, but one thing I just wanted to bring up is the idea there's a number of teams that could be caught with laying big numbers and look-ahead spots. Um, Penn State on paper looks like they should demolish Purdue without their quarterback yep. and, and the line's 28 and a half but but Penn State has a gauntlet of a schedule coming up and they just come off came off a dominating a road performance against Maryland so I can easily seeing them coming out a little mm-hmm. flat um, I think they have let's see they have uh, after this week they have at Iowa, Michigan, and at Michigan State the next three weeks. So before you lay the points there, I'd be a little bit careful. LSU has not really – they've played the out-of-conference game against Texas but hasn't really gotten into the SEC schedule. They've got Florida next week, um, so that's a huge game for them. They're laying 27.5 against Utah State. I would tread lightly there. And then the Red River shootout is next week. Uh, with Oklahoma and Texas playing uh, at the Cotton Bowl. And Oklahoma's laying 32 on the road against Les mm-hmm. Miles in Kansas, while Texas is laying 10.5 on the road in Morgantown against West Virginia. So those are just maybe some tricky spots. Maybe you could play them all lightly and hope to go 3-1 and one, uh, on the dogs, but more so just to, to beware before you lay the big wood. Yeah, coming off of a couple weeks for me, we had a real good start for the first few weeks, and then, Back to back weeks where um, it was on on Maryland, which was great. You know, like when I lose a game, <laughs> at least I don't you mind go to bed early, right? Exactly. Or move I don't on mind. For you I, you yeah. know, like I'd always rather lose that game than the way I lose the Virginia game. You oh, know, I had we, Virginia as my only you know? play of the week. Last and so week. that's yeah, the yeah. one that leaves a, a sour taste in your mouth because there's a difference between being on the right side of a game or just being on the wrong side, you know, and th- that was actually, I feel like we were on the right side of the game Me there. Too. You know, you get a couple bad defensive scores and you're on the road and it's like, then, then things change. And, um, and so, yeah, you know, this week to me, there's a lot going on. There's baseball I'm sinking my teeth into. So I, I kind of did the same thing. I'm just going to, I didn't love the slate a whole lot. I'm just going to kind of watch refresh for college. Cause I was a little off the last two weeks and then get back. It's been a good start to the season for, uh, for me so far in NFL. And I know you had a nice week. I think you've had a couple nice weeks in a row now, right? 
Yeah, it was. Uh, I was five hundred after two weeks, and then on uh, my uh, selections on Bet America, and then the last two weeks I've gone eleven and three against the number, so sitting at nineteen and eleven. So that's funny. We're um, almost the same, but kind of flipped. I started three and three, and then went six and one, five and two, and three and three last week. So yeah, up to, uh, seventeen and nine. Nothing so nice wrong start. with that, yeah, man. But I'm, that. I'm bracing myself for some bad loss or sure. some bad picks. So, because um, you know, it, in the NFL, as good as you may are and as much work as you put in, there's still a lot of luck that needs to go right. You know, things go right. I mean, injuries, just a lot of things can happen. So, hopefully, being on your show this week will continue the uh, good, good, good times. Okay, we'll get into it. We'll start uh, getting through the slate. So we won't really hit on the uh, the Thursday night game, but we will start. And, uh, you know, we'll both get on the soapbox a little bit. I saw you you tweet about this, and I, I was so frustrated when they did this a couple of weeks ago because they were trying to spotlight the Rams-Saints game, and they're doing it this week again because they're trying to spotlight the Cowboys-Packers game where there are 14 football games on Sunday, to mo- on, uh, 13 football games on Sunday, and we're going to get 10 of them in the morning window, including yeah. the London game. I mean – the best, the only, the only redeeming thing about the London game was that it was by itself and that it was on at a time when there was no other football on. So it was. I, I actually would like it out here on the West Coast because I'd get up at six for fifteen. I love you know, it on the West watch, Coast. I would, yeah. It was great. I and it just. Ex- I think they did this last year though. I think they had one game at the normal yep, time. They did. They and did. And then the other couple early in the morning. If I'm so, not like, who the hell is gonna watch the Raider Bear game? You know what I mean? When you have nine other games going, betting all your other fantasy, if that thing was on two hours earlier, we'd all get up and watch it. Give you know? me all the one-off games, man. I love yeah. being able to settle in. I mean, two or three is great, too. Sure. But, but, yeah, it's frustrating because then you're scrambling for three hours to keep up with everything. And you can't uh, really it, bet, it, like, the late games very well. Or you can't, like, for a lot of people that play off of how they do early – they can't yep. double up. They can't catch up. Really, you know, it's hard when you only have a couple opportunities later on. So, just the yeah, it's a little bit frustrating. We just wish they could spread it out a little bit more. That's all. That's all. We so, love it so much. Give yeah, us more. A little, you little know? bit more that we can <laughs> that we can pay attention to. Uh, okay, let's jump. Let's jump in to many of these early ten o'clock games. So, uh, I guess the first one we'll we'll head on is the Ravens at the Steelers. Now, this game is around three three and a half. I think it's. Uh, Pittsburgh's fa- uh, the Ravens are are favored going to Pittsburgh. We saw Baltimore last week get beat up, get really beat up by Cleveland, and then Pittsburgh beat up the Bengals on Monday night. I, I like I, I like the side of the Ravens in here. I think they're better. I don't think the Steelers are going to be be able to keep up scoring wise with the Raven, but I don't know if I'm going to really make this a play or not. Uh, and I seen some sharps that kind of like the Steelers in here at home. If you can get any three and a half, any what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, um, in terms of the side, I mean, the Ravens are a team that I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna endorse right now as a road favorite because all they've really done was was beat Arizona barely at home, and they beat up on Miami, and then yep. they got crowned as the third best team in the AFC, and their defense is without key ingredients Sam. from last year. Yeah, I'm not real high on their defense. But I'm not also I'm not sure if the Steelers on short rest are going to be ready to play back to back good games. I mean, Mason Rudolph 
You know the Ravens, one thing they have is a good coaching staff. Yes, Wink Martindale maybe has to maybe phase out as their defensive coordinator uh, after the last couple games if he doesn't get things uh, turned around. But I trust that they're going to at least know that Mason Rudolph does not throw the ball downfield and they're going to put eight guys in the box and make life difficult. So what I'm going to do in this game, and it is a play for me, is play under the total. I bet America at least right now it's 44 and a half. Guys like Mason Rudolph are quarterbacks that are under lovers, you mm-hmm. know, under players, friends. Yep. They they complete a lot of balls, but they're not in not big plays. They just keep the clock moving, just like the running game. I see the Steelers running the ball, throwing those short and intermediate passes, very few big plays. The only time they've had big plays in the last two games is completely blown coverage, which can happen. And then I see the Ravens defense playing a little better just based on pride. I mean, they were just dominated two weeks in a row. Yes. So um, and I'm just – I think the Steelers' D is a little better than we might have think. They've got mm-hmm. a lot of talent on there. They've got a good pass rush. I'm a little worried about Hollywood Brown getting behind the defense once or twice and Lamar making plays with his legs. But in an interdivision game, these teams know each other well. I'm going to go under 44-and-a-half. Yeah, I'll stay away from from this one as far as a, a straight play. We, we hit the – we kind of talked about the London game a little bit. Do you have any opinion in that Bears-Raiders game where the Raiders come off uh, you know, a surprising win? They looked really good and, and – what what was impressive about that too is a lot of times you'll have a bad team get out early and then you know the home team or the better team ends up coming back and and they'll nail them late and it looked like that was shaping up to happen where Indy had the ball they had the opportunity and then the first play on their drive Oakland just gets a pick six and just mm-hmm. puts it away right there so they were able to make a big play on defense too and then the Bears whose defense is really good we're going to be uh, seeing uh, Chase Daniel. Um, who has been in the NFL now for 10 years I, mean, I think he started 4 or 5 games But he's kind of always around and always been a backup And he's made a whole ton of money uh, yeah. that's, for, that's for sure Any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, I thought the Raiders were fortunate to play a Colts team without Darius Leonard, T.Y. Hilton, and Malik Tucker last week. Yeah, Yeah. and the Colts came out flat for some reason. They did play well. They played too well for me to be willing to lay this many points with the Bears on the road. But with that defense, Khalil Mack fired up to play his old team. I just don't trust the Raiders enough to back them. So this is a stay away for me. Mm -hmm. It's always a little bit of a wild card uh, when teams have to travel this far anyway. Um, So, yeah, it's a stay away for me. Probably won't get to see or pay that much attention to this until Monday when I watch it on Game Pass is the honest truth. We have the Vikings going to play against the Giants, and the Giants are a five-point underdog. Now, we talk about two teams who have completely different um, fan bases, like feelings on their quarterbacks right now. You have the Giants who are just loving Danny Dimes, and you have the Vikings (laughs) whose fans are just hating Cousins and and all the money that he's making and he's apologizing on podcasts to his receivers about how he's not throwing them the ball enough. Diggs is sitting out of practice. He's disgruntled. Any any thoughts on this game? Well, I just feel like the Giants are going to be like a public underdog in this game, and those are always scary to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the Vikings yep. are pretty much the perception is as bad as ever right now after yep. not being able to score on the Bears and this Cousins saga. And the Giants are coming in off two wins, but those two wins were against the Bucs, who were a good team. That was a good win, but that Redskin game was, I mean, they just couldn't lose that game. No. Um, so I would be scared to back the Giants here. I don't have a play on this game. I'm not really excited about laying five, but no. it kind of feels like a get-right spot for this passing game. If they open it up a little bit, the Giants' pass defense until last week with Dwayne Haskins was really picked apart through the first three weeks. And it just seems like if the, if the Vikings were 
going to throw the ball to Adam Thielen. Maybe if Steph Diggs plays, they'll throw it to him as well. And Dalvin Cook should have a good game. So gun to head Vikings, but this is a no play for me. Yeah, the Giants are playing, you know, a Redskins team that does not have a strong receiving core either. I think McLaren was missing that game also. So they missed, like, I think it looked a little bit better on paper. This yeah. is another one that I stay away from also because it just seems like I, I would want to play Giants there at home right. plus the five, but I just, it just seems like I could see the Giants, I could see the Vikings win this game by 21, you know, and, and I just would feel a little eh. So um, Jets at the Eagles and the Eagles are up to, I think, 13 and a half on Bet America. I see an over under of 44. And the Eagles had a nice get right game last week. They took advantage of short fields a couple times. It's just, it's hard to know what you're going to get right now with the Jets because they've just been decimated by injury and all the, the stuff with Darnold. I, I've kind of stayed away from a lot of their games early on. They've just looked like one, like a really bad team. It's going to be, for me, hard to get a gauge on. Who they are until I see them with the at least with Darnold for a few games. Any thoughts on this one? No, yeah, it's it's especially now knowing not knowing if Darnold's going to play. Mm-hmm. The Eagles banged up, but just it's a stay away from me. Yep. If Darnold plays, I think this is too many points. I don't think the Eagles' yes. defense is good enough to um, to lay ten points, let alone thirteen and a half. But just keep in mind out there, and keep there's going to be a spot with, for the Jets to play as an underdog. Maybe it'll be a home dog. Maybe it'll be getting a lot of points because this team is not as bad as as no. it, the perception is. I not mean, they at lost C.J. Mosley on D and uh, their first round pick Williams, Quinton Williams, and this offense is going to be good or or at least adequate with Sam Darnold. Yeah. They got Le'Veon Bell. Jamison Crowder, Rob Herndon's coming back soon too. Their tight end, right? This is an average NFL football team when they are all when they're healthy, in my opinion. So this isn't the spot, but I am kind of seeking out the right spot. Maybe Darnold after a couple games. You know, obviously when he comes back and looks good, the lines will go down. But the perception of the Jets right now is that they're one of the worst teams in the NFL, and it's a little unfair because they're just so banged up. We have the Jags. Going to Carolina. Carolina is a three and a half point favorite in this one. The over under is forty one. There was some word throughout the week that Minshew was a little bit banged up, but it seems like I think that was maybe just a little precautionary and that he's going to play. And man, we've we kind of went back and forth a little bit on Twitter, and you, we see a lot of quarterbacks and backups come into the league and that just can't hang. And they, you know, quickly you can tell right away that that they can't do it. I don't know how great this guy is going to be. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, a starting franchise quarterback for some team, but he's at at least a a legitimate quarterback that can make things happen. He I watched him play it when he was in the Pac-12 at Washington State. All the stories you hear about Minshew are hilarious. You know, Leach calling him and saying, "You want to come lead the nation in passing?" Sure, you know. And he goes <laughs> yeah. on up and he's walking around with bottles of uh, alcohol and fanny packs, and he's cutting cutting off his own jean shorts. He's just a great a great character. He's a great story. And let's be honest: as soon as Foles went down, the Jags had the opportunity to be. Just a totally like forgotten about, really boring, really bad football team. And between the Minshew mania and the Ramsey drama, they've at least been a team that you're paying attention to. And they're right in the mix in that division. That's just like a wide open division. I this game's weird to me because uh, Carolina. I, I still think they're a little. I don't know what to think of them off that, that Houston game last week because Houston just played so atrocious in that game. Um, I felt like that was more of a Houston loss than a Carolina win. Their defense is good. I would probably lean low in this game from scoring, but I'm not sure if I lean aside in particular. 
Yeah, this is a real hard game. Two teams that have had success with backups after starting the season with their starting quarterbacks unsuccessfully. I know uh, you as well as myself are on the Jacksonville over, I believe, for the mm-hmm. year, right? Yep, yep. And I wish we could have gotten that Texan game out of that, that oh, week that two game because so they'd be sitting yeah. real pretty. Yeah. I, I don't like this game from a wagering perspective. No. I'll be rooting for my bet with Jacksonville. I have been um, impressed with Kyle Allen as well as Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew has made all the throws. Um, that you need to make as an NFL quarterback. And uh, both guys, I hope, uh, continue to play well. I I actually thought 41 seemed a little low. I thought it was kind of a – I don't know. There's a lot of playmakers on the field, and the quarterbacks are playing well. I mean, I know they're not household names, DJ Chark, D.D. Westbrook, um, DJ Moore. Curtis Samuel is going to catch a bomb one of these weeks. If you watch their games, he is very close. Him and Will Fuller for Mm -hmm. Houston – they're coming. I mean, you know, you, you throw deep balls to these guys They're every week. Them up. Yep. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't really have opinion. If I had to play the game in any way, I'd probably go over 41, but it's a stay away for me. And we have the Patriots playing at Washington. Washington, I think uh, Coach Jay Gruden, they were asking him who was going to start a quarterback this week. And he said, like, I don't know. You know, and he just, oh, yeah, you know, that's crazy. just like he just doesn't. You, you could tell that he's just checked out right now. I, it won't be long before he is waxed. I think there's a, a Redskins Dolphins game coming up. That yeah, is next week. Be, uh, yeah, next Thriller. week. That's going to be some appointment viewing. We also have a pretty good uh, <laughs> Cardinals Bengals game later on where we're going to see like, some of the worst teams, at least so far in football, uh, hooking up. I mean, do you have any side in get in this game? These these like large spreads on the road always scare me a little bit. I mean, these teams are a couple of these teams are really bad this year, and and the Patriots are good, but offensively they haven't really been in a rhythm. They have, you know, they're working out new kickers now, so that might be an issue. They haven't gotten <laughs> the free points. They've missed some kicks and extra points. They're coming off a game that they really very well should have lost that game to Buffalo last week. I mean. Buffalo gave them so many chances to stay in like over and over Josh Allen before he got hurt. Any thoughts on this big spread? Believe it or not, I'm laying the points on the road in this one. I, mean, I just I think the Redskins are they're so bad. They're so bad they have no home field advantage, so I'm not worried about that. In fact, their 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 fan base will work against them. So the fact that it's on the road is, is a non-factor to me. And the Bra- and the Patriots were so poor on offense last year that I or last week, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, the Bills are one of the best defenses in the league, sure. but but they take these things personally. Brady, yeah. you know, talked about how poor he was. I just see them coming out and jumping all over the Redskins, and I just don't know how the Redskins are going to score. If Dwayne Haskins plays, he's just not ready. Like he's he could be a great quarterback down the road. He's got a lot of the tools, but he is not mentally ready to play in this league. And of all people. Belichick's going to confuse them. I would rather see Haskins in if, with laying the points. If Colt McCoy plays, I could see him grinding them and you know keeping them relatively in this or backdooring. And and he's got a lot of heart. That guy, I have a lot of respect for for him for what he is. But this looks like a thirty to six, a, you know twenty seven three. I mean, this looks like a kind of game where I don't see the Redskins scoring, and I see Brady posting some decent numbers to kind of get back into form after one of his worst outings in some time against the Bills. Yeah, I just don't I agree. I I can't envision the Patriots not coming out a little bit. You know, you would get the chip on their shoulder cuz he looked bad. That was one of the worst games he's he's played in a, in a while, Brady. And uh I mean, between I think I posted a poll on Twitter between 
Washington and well, I guess let's take the Jets out of the equation because like just like you mentioned and, and how I had put them like in that grouping we can't really judge them yet it's kind of unfair to judge if they're even a bad team I think they're going to be at least you know a slightly below average team I don't think they're going to be like an all time bad team like we've seen from Miami I mean the Bengals look really really bad and the Redskins this team just looks horrible I don't I can't envision them getting two scores unless it's, you know, the how, how the Jet and and it's like. The only way is like the way that the Jets covered Where they were able to score defensively And Washington's defense isn't even that great I just don't I think you're on the right side there I just can't see It's I, I not a normal play by me at all No it it's not But weird, you have to change the way yeah. you play This yeah. You have to change the way you play When in the age of scoring a little bit different And in the age of some of these teams That are legitimately trying to tank Especially this year with the Dolphins It's hard I mean there's been a lot of like sharp betters That have just kind of been going back to the well And then said you know what screw it I'm just going to do what's making me money right now And uh, and that's you know a lot of times playing the Patriots and Against a team like the Redskins That they can just beat up on Two teams that I, I can't get a real feel for uh, The Falcons and the Texans The Texans are a five and a half point favorite at home The Falcons just shoot themselves in the foot like you watch their games and it's always like I guess they didn't look you know they're driving they're moving the ball and then it's like a bad turnover a couple penalties that sets them back it, it, they're not like a terrible team I just never know what to to think after I watch this Falcons game and I'm bitter about the Texans cuz I I played them last week and I've, I've very rarely been laying points this year but uh, I, I played the Texans at home, and it's like you can't get the twenty at home against Carolina. That's all I need. Twenty, you know. I'm not asking you. Like, <laughs> twenty, goddamn yeah. points. Yeah, you come can. on. You know? <laughs> I'm with you with these two teams. I've been an anti-Texans since last year when they went on that big win streak against bad opponents, and everybody was crowning them some wonderful team. And they got beat up by the Colts in the playoffs. And they're a different team this year. They've got a little bit of a different offensive line. I've got a ton of respect for Deshaun Watson, but I can't lay five and a half with them. So it would either be automatically Falcon. They don't seem to cover big spreads at home. Um, it would be Falcons or bust for me. I think this this is a real turning point for this Falcons team. If they play another bad game like they did against the Titans last week, which was at home, which was surprising. I mean, they're one and four. That might be the end of Dan yeah, Quinn. I agree. They might be rebuilding. So I kind of like that angle with teams, desperate teams, but the Texans coming off the home loss, it scares me that the Falcons just aren't that good. So it's a pass, but I lean dog. The good thriller. Game here. Good game here. <laughs> Cardinals, Cardinals at the Bengals. Uh, this game is the Bengals minus three. You know, they, they kind of, Threw some people off their scent after week one because we all like we saw them play Seattle tough at Seattle, and that was a game that the Bengals absolutely should have won. And their offense looked good; they moved the ball pretty well. And you know Ross had a couple of drops. They still they really should have you know taken that victory. And then they come back and they get their doors blown off by San Francisco. And then they 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 they're hanging there with Buffalo. And they come all the way back and they take the lead They've been a, a tough team to get a gauge on They get crushed against Pittsburgh Just like Jekyll and Hyde But they're still Even their good efforts have not resulted in victories This team is a three-point favorite at home They're playing another Kind of a bad Cardinals team That's at least kind of young and fun And, and maybe they can move the ball But this this is a stay away for me Because I just I don't know if I can back either one of these teams right now yeah, I can't. I struggle to back either team, but I do think the Bengals would be the play for me. Mm-hmm. I, that would um, be my lean. 
coming off the embarrassing loss. Arizona's got to travel. I, we've seen a little bit out of the Bengals. You mentioned the Seattle game and the second half of that Bills game. They came through for me as underdogs in yep, that game. Um, but their offensive line is so bad. But Arizona doesn't have a pass rush. So maybe, just maybe... Um, this is a type of game where the Bengals can get the ball go, get the ball moving. I mean, Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals, I was like, oh, after the Seahawks game, this guy knows what he's doing. You know, they really, he's got this team playing different. I the but, same thing. I was like, yeah. offense, they're going to move the ball. Yeah, McVeigh, yeah. McVeigh prodigy, but um, but um, or disciple, I should say, but uh. But, yeah, I mean, this is a game that's real tough to get excited about laying points with a team like the Bengals. And Arizona, Kingsbury's underwhelmed me so far. I mean, I don't understand why every pass is, you know, the average depth of target for Kyler Murray's passes. I mean, this is supposed to be the air raid, not the lateral raid, you know. I, I mean, they're they're throwing screens, and they're not really stretching the field at all. So um, this game, another game that I probably won't get to see what too much of, uh, I will be rooting for Tyler Boyd in a couple fantasy leagues, including your league. But, uh, other than that, yeah, pretty ick. Yeah. And then there's a, I think a game or two that isn't really on the board right now because they don't know what's happening with Josh Allen yet in the Buffalo game at Tennessee. Um, he's still in the concussion protocol and it looks like it's like 50, 50, um, if he's going to be able to be clear this week, if not, it's going to be my guy, Matty Barkley. I got a little nervous because I (laughs) needed the bills last week too. And I'm like, Oh no, Matty Barkley's coming in. This is not the spot where I want to see my guy, Matt Barkley against the Patriots when I need, uh, when I need the bills to cover here, but he at least was okay enough where he wasn't just a disaster, um, to, uh, to, to get that game, uh, to where the Patriots covered. So I, I actually, if Josh Allen was playing, I just I like I would have liked playing against the Tennessee spot uh, because I just didn't think their win was quite as impressive as it looked when you really dig into it. It was one of those games where they just Tennessee does a good job of like taking advantage of other teams' mistakes, and they're always around you know like that eight and eight, nine and seven, seven and nine type team because they just they're not flashy. I just don't I just don't think they're good. So I like to play them off of you know against uh, when they have their big wins because it seems like every year they you know they beat the Patriots you know some years on in prime time or they'll have like these big wins and and then they get a little bit overinflated the next week. But this game I think we don't really know what to do with until we know if Josh Allen's playing because I I wouldn't really want to play Matt Barkley against a pretty good defense. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a game where points are going to be extremely hard to come by unless they come via defensive turnovers or special teams plays. But the number I saw before the uh, Allen injury was in, like, the mid-30s, so it's tough to get excited about playing that. And if you could figure out Marcus Mariota other than the fact that he's not that good, I mean, this guy pops up and plays good games when you least expect it. But this looks like the kind of game where Barkley's going to play. Everybody's going to think the Titans are going to win it because they're at home and the Bills are going to have no offense with Barkley. And the Bills defense is going to find a way to win this game because I I think the Titans defense is very good. I love their secondary, but I think the Bills defense is is borderline elite. elite. Yeah. Yeah. They're well coached. Mariota to me against the good defense pass. Um, so this is a game where I lean bills and if it gets above a field goal, if it, if they get a yeah. little overly excited about the Barkley factor, which I'm expecting, I think Barkley is going to play. That's yeah, just I think a so guess. Too. It makes the most sense. Yeah. They, they, it, they don't, they're, they're with the concussion stuff. Like if it's close, I don't think they're going to push it, especially with the young, like franchise QB like that, you know? So I, right. I don't think it makes sense to do. So I'm with you. If it got over a field goal that's where I would play it. Um, I I think it would be because if, I think it's going to be close, and I feel like you get that extra hook, that just feels like a little bit too much. In what 
I feel like that would almost be, you know, that feels like a two score game when you get the three there, right. you know, because it's probably going to be a lot of uh, a lot of kicking going on. A um, couple more games to get through. We have the Bucks coming off a big win uh, last week, where they just offensively probably the best game of Jameis Winston's career, um, or at least on the very very short list of them, because he he's had a lot of bad games. The Bucks are a three point dog. They're going on the road to play the Saints. And Teddy B, who are also coming off a, a nice primetime win, wasn't a, necessarily a sexy win, but hey, a win nonetheless against a, a good Dallas team. What do you think in this game? Yeah, I've been surprised with the way the numbers gone in this one with the Saints being at home. I think it opened at four. It's down to three. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a strong feel on either side. I think I don't see. But what I don't see is I don't see a lot as many points as you would expect when you think nope. about these teams. You've got the Buccaneers who are. Amazing against the run. They should be able to contain uh, Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray, and put the game on Teddy Bridgewater, who can complete kind of like uh, kind of like Mason Rudolph for under. He's a good under quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's not, doesn't take a lot of chances downfield. He's going to throw the ball underneath. He's going to manage the game. It's going to keep the clock moving. And then the Bucks. I mean, I, they're not going to put up 50 again. I mean, that was a very unique game against the Rams. I'm a little worried that the um, that the Bucks will score enough, or that somehow this game Winston is always a tricky quarterback to play unders with, because not only is he capable of making big plays down the field, the but he's also capable, yeah, the turnovers. Yeah. But the Saints have been a real under team so far, Gino. I mean, they have two of four have gone under. But if you remember the Monday night game against the Texans, that was an under. There were three touchdowns, I think, in the last two minutes, or at least seventeen. I think it was seventeen points. You had a touchdown touchdown and then the late long field goal by Lutz so that game in my opinion it went over but you were fortunate if you had the over and then the game against Seattle in Seattle in Seattle they got two an off a defensive score and they got a special team score and then the Saints got about two or three backdoor meaningless touchdowns under Russell Wilson to to get that game well over the number but that score is inflated so I like Saints unders for the time being while Teddy's in the uh, in the game and these teams know each other well Uh, usually that can that can often lead it's an you know when they're when they're meaningful games and the teams know each other well I, I often lean under in that situation too so I'll go lightly on under 46 okay uh, three games left to discuss and um, this one's going to be an angle that I've been playing so far this year and it's three and0 against the spread and I'm going to play the Broncos on this spot because I've played teams against teams the week after they play Miami so so week one, uh, Baltimore beat up Miami. Week two, the Cardinals covered the spread against Baltimore. Uh, in week two, the Patriots beat up Miami. In next week, the Jets covered the spread against them, whether it was you know defensive touchdowns, whatever, but they covered the spread against them. And then last week, uh, week three, the, the third week, it was Dallas that beat up Miami. And then if you played against Dallas last week, you played the Saints, and you also covered the spread. So you're 3-0. and My reasoning here is just when you watch teams play Miami – it's not a real football game. It's, I mean, it's not. They're, they get up so big early, and they dominate that it's just like a false sense of what it takes to win a football game. You're not competitive throughout. And I think the next week, whether you're a step slow, whether you're a little off, whether you're not quite as you know ready to go the full length of the game at 100%, maybe you took some plays off. I've just noticed that teams at the end of those Miami games, when I'm rewatching them, they look like, you know, like a, a JV or a Frosh soft game. Like the way the end of the game is, there's no buzz, there's no vibe. It doesn't even look like a professional game anymore. Right. And, and so I've noticed that the last few weeks. And this is another one where I, I think 
you know, you get the teams that come off the Miami games and everybody goes, oh, they looked so good last week. Well, yeah, they were beating up on Miami. So they're probably a half point to, to maybe even a point sometimes a little overinflated. So the Chargers have a lot of injuries. Um, they're going to try to get Gordon back into the mix. I think people assume right away he's just going to come in and, and be awesome, but he can't really be much better than Eckler, who has been very, very right. good. And Justin Jackson was running the ball very well, too, before he got hurt. He was a nice compliment. So sometimes it takes a little while. The Chargers are not a team that I like to play when they're when they're favored by like more than a field goal. You know, they're a team that they make a lot of mistakes. They've had their kicking issues this week. Uh, I think they're a good team. I think they'll still be a playoff team come the end of the year. But Denver's going to steal a game or they're going to keep a game close here. This is going to be one of my plays this week. I'm going to take the Broncos plus the six. Yeah, I'm on the Broncos as well this week. A lot of the reasons you said. Not the Miami one. That's an interesting yeah. angle, though, and it has worked for you. But you mentioned the Chargers being banged up on both sides. They're now without Melvin Ingram. Their offensive line is a mess. Um you know, they're without key key uh, pass catchers, even though they got Gordon back. Mike Williams has been banged up with a back injury. He might play. You got Benjamin out, Hunter Henry out. So they're a tough team to want to lay a lot of points with. They've always mm-hmm. been like that. And yeah. The other, they, and this team just looks a little more like the 2016 and 2017 Chargers mm-hmm. than last year's team that had kind of that killer instinct and put everything together. And the Broncos are desperate, and as bad as their 0-4 record is, they, they should have covered every game, right? I mean, yeah. they covered. They, they lost terrible to the Bears, but they covered. They, that was like a one-point game. Last week, they, they was like a one- or two-point game. That game against Green Bay was one of my big bets of the year, and I lost that one, but I would bet – Denver plus eight against Green Bay and Lambeau every day and twice. It was on deceiving Sunday. too. It was yeah. another deceiving game when you watched it. They they're they're not as bad. Right. Like, I didn't even put them in the grouping of the really bad teams because they're not. They're, they're just they're, yeah. They're just not. But they're finding ways to lose, which That's is never exactly. good. Yeah. But getting six here, I think, is a fair number. It was six and a half, so maybe some sharp money coming in on the Broncos. Um, I'm not necessarily sure they're going to win this game, and and the Chargers probably find a way to win. But this is too many points. I'm going to yeah. go with the Broncos. Yeah, this feels like a field goal game to me. You know. So yeah, let's go with the Broncos. We'll both be on the same side here. Plus the six. Two games left. We have the game that. Uh, or I guess three games left. We have the game that everybody's looking at now as the big Sunday afternoon game. This is the reason why we don't have more games to watch because we're going to get Packers <laughs> at the Cowboys here. And I actually like this one also. Um, you know, the Cowboys are coming off a loss. Both these teams are coming off a loss. But I I do think they got a, a little exposed. I think they're still a very good football team. But when we look at the Cowboys' schedule the first few weeks, it was a very easy schedule. And and defensively, in a lot of like the the defensive metrics and and stuff I'm looking at, they really weren't that impressive. They didn't look as good as they should have for having beat up on you know some bad teams. And maybe a lot of that was garbage time, some garbage time late. But it still didn't seem like it equated much. I think the Packers are in a, a nice spot here. Plus three and a half. That's the key. I think you get that the half there, and that's why I'd play the Packers here. I think this will just be a tight game back and forth. We saw the Packers' offense get a little bit better last week. They have to get better after the the, the initial script, though. They just so quick start and then so bad. And I don't think the Packers' defense is nearly as bad as it looks last week. People really jumped on their defense because they had th- there were the real changing point in that game uh, when the Packers played the Eagles. There were three consecutive drives that the the Eagles got to start on short field and three consecutive times they scored a touchdown. And that was the game. That was the difference in the game. Well, 
It's no fun if we agree on everything, right? Nice. So my, <laughs> head to head, right? <laughs> mano y mano. My best bet of the week is the Cowboys. Beautiful. And uh, here we go. I mean, this is why um, you mentioned the Packers losing last week's game because of turnovers, but I could argue they'd be 1-3 and three or 0-4 and four if they didn't win the turnover margin significantly in their first three games. I don't believe in this team yet. I think they have a real good pass rush. And I think they have really good corners and secondary, but I think they can be run on as the Eagles showed by 176 yards on the ground for a team that had struggled to get the running game going. And now they got to take on the Cowboys at home and Ezekiel Elliott, who really hasn't gotten off um, to as good a start. Maybe it has something to do with, you know, the holdout. But uh, this is a great spot for him. And then you have the Packers. I mean, Devontae Adams is probably not going to play in this game with Mm -hmm. a turf toe. And Jamal Williams is out. How are they going to move the ball? I mean, I know Aaron Rodgers will make a few plays, but this team has struggled to score after the first few possessions. Allison, I know. Yeah, so I don't really see these teams as equals, and that's what the three and a half tells me, that, that, the, that the perception is that these teams are basically equal. I don't think the Packers are a playoff team, and I think the Cowboys – are a major contender in the NFC. So I love this spot for the Cowboys to bounce back and handle the Packers by at least a touchdown. Um, but we shall see. It should be interesting. You always, it's never fun playing against Aaron Rodgers, but maybe, just maybe, Aaron Rodgers is on the tail end of his career at this point. I, I think this is going to be a close game. I think, it, I, I hope it goes back and forth. I hope we get a good effort from both Aaron Rodgers and from Dak. And, uh, and we'll have to have to make like a, a beer wager or uh, uh, on this yeah. game between you and I. Uh, I think two more to hit the Sunday night, Sunday night and Monday night uh, Colts at Chiefs. You know, this is a spot where I would really like to try to play the Colts, but I'm I'm scared off by their injuries that you mentioned a little earlier. We were talking about another game, their defense and their defense, like right up the middle in particular, is really banged up. And I mean, the Chiefs could really exploit. Them and it might be able to just score a lot of points on this Colts team, but I, I like the spot against the Colts. Might have been looking ahead last week. They had the Raiders coming home. That they, they maybe were looking at a big game on the road, going to play the Chiefs. Thought that they could just kind of walk over the Raiders. They got down early. I've, I've kind of been pretty impressed with Brissett too. He's yes. good on third down. Uh, he doesn't really make a lot of mistakes except for the big one that he made last week uh, at the end of the game. But, First interception uh, of the year of the yeah. year. But you know, but he he's actually been like a really solid and serviceable. Quarterback, but Mac is a little banged up too. So I like I really like the spot for the Colts, and I, I want to play them, but I, I'm going to have to wait, I guess, till right before and see what their injuries and what the what their depth is going to look like. Yeah, this looks like a game where the Chiefs should score a lot of points. It does sound like Darius Leonard is going to be back, which is if he doesn't play, their defense is a totally different mm-hmm. situation. He is a, an unbelievable leader and an unbelievable player. Uh, Malik Hooker will still be out. It sounds like Ty Hilton is likely to miss this game. Um, which is definitely hurts, but I think they can survive offensively. They're gonna. If this is a rematch of that uh, divisional game last year in the playoffs, where the Chiefs dominated Andrew Luck and the Colts, who never got the offense going, and the Chiefs' defense looked uh, better than they did in almost any other game last year. I can't lay eleven in this spot. I think the back door at least will be open mm-hmm. all game long against a poor defense. So this is Colts or pass for me. And yeah. At this point, it's passed until I get a little more information on the injury situation. And then the Monday night game. A good one, finally. It, yeah, and this one's um, kind of kind of fun because you have two teams that like just a week ago, everybody jumped off the, the Browns bandwagon. And then they played, you know, 
you, you see games sometimes And you, we see the score at the end of the game And people I think overreacted what happened But Cleveland actually played very very well last week And I think when you continue to look at Their games before last week We start to see that Their defense is actually really good Even with a lot of the injuries And with a lot of the pieces that they're missing They have a really solid defense They still They're, they're coaching their discipline uh, Baker's been shaky uh, Offensively we don't know if Landry's going to be around So th- I'm, they're no no finished product by any means But uh, they're going to be playing a, a San Francisco team That it's kind of out of sight out of mind It feels like we haven't seen San Francisco in a year Even though they, you know, just cause they're coming off their bye week But they're 3-0 and And I don't have any idea what to, what to think of this Frisco team With who they've played And with how they've played With how well that they've played And and the fact they were able to win that Pittsburgh game With with all those turnovers was incredible Uh, Any thoughts on the Monday night game? Yeah, this is a uh, Kyle Shanahan With an extra week to prepare Versus Freddie Kitchens handicap Mm -hmm. Um, I I thought the Browns played pretty well last week But I thought it was as much or more The Ravens playing terribly I think the Niners defense is underrated Um, I think Kyle Shanahan will give them all they can handle, and I'm expecting them to clean things up. They might be three and zero, but there's no way they went into that bye week thinking that you know feeling too good about themselves after that five turnover effort against Pittsburgh. So I'm thinking this is a Jimmy G good game. And you mentioned the Brown defense. I do think that they are the strength, and they don't get a lot of credit. They've got a lot of talent. It remains to be seen if they'll get their secondary. Uh, Healthy, back to healthy uh, for the Browns If they don't, I think they really might take advantage of this And don't forget about George Kittle Who uh, is going to get things going yes. here soon enough So, man, I, this is the first week I've been on more than one favorite And I, I kind of feel like the underdog teams were um, undervalued And maybe others were overvalued I feel like this is the week where some of these favorites come back in After a tough couple weeks, especially last week for favorite betters um, So, I mean, I like the, the Niners, the Cowboys and the Patriots as favorites, which is a lot uh, for me. But uh, I'm on the Niners in this one, and it's the first Monday night game I'll be playing all year. So this would be one that I, I'm also going to kind of wait to see what the injuries are like. If I had a lean, I would slightly lean towards Cleveland just because I think it's going to be a close game. And I think you're getting, if you can get like three and a half or four, I'd take it. At three or at two and a half, I wouldn't. I just think it's going to be a good game. I, I think both of these teams are actually. Solid teams I don't yeah. know I, I don't know if either of those These teams are going to be 10 win teams But I don't think either one of these teams Is going to be like a 5 or 6 You know I think they're both You know like going to be In the mix battling for a playoff spot Whether or not they're awesome Especially because When we look at The the division now with, For Cleveland We don't know what we're going to get from Pittsburgh With Mason Rudolph I think as you mentioned Baltimore They're they're okay They can score Their defense is Atrocious they have to make some adjustments There and the Bengals are awful You know yep. so the, so the Browns are going to be they have To at least just kind of stay Around 500 over the next couple Weeks because they have a couple tough games coming up and then They have a real cake schedule towards the end of the Year so uh, it, it would just be Hilarious to, to see the Browns and, and like Freddie Kitchens in the playoffs and Baker And they just have a lot of characters you know They would, they would yep. be a lot of fun to see in there Whether you're going to play them or play against them So Scotty Shap, I appreciate it, buddy. We were able to talk a little uh, baseball, college football, and then hit on every one of the NFL games. Give uh, give everyone out there some um, some info on where we can find you and what you're going to be working on next. Yeah, you can find me at Scott Shap thirty four on Twitter. Um, and in terms of working, you can find my 
NFL Thursday night analysis, and I do a six-pack uh, on Bet America. That's on extra.betamerica.com. A lot of other good content on there. Uh, also doing some Keeneland uh, work in, on twinspires.com, the blog on there. I'll be doing a couple articles, just put out uh, a how to bet the Shadwell Turf Mile, as well as how to bet the Phoenix tomorrow. Um, looking forward to heading up there tomorrow for opening day. Uh, then I'll be back on the Churchill Downs uh, simulcast feed in the month of November, along with Joe Christofek, Ed DeRosa, James Scully, and Brandon Staubel. A uh, lot going on, um, but uh, oh, then the podcast that you uh, that we'll be having you on here before long again. You've been on a couple times already, but not an NFL one. We'll do, uh, and that's the Who Do You Like podcast, and you could find that uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places. It is part of my weekly listening. I always like to check in and kind of get some of your thoughts and whoever your guest thoughts are before I kind of formulate. Because that's what you know. There's there's a lot of sharp. Podcast shows information out there nowadays more than ever, especially with gambling becoming more prevalent. There's there's a lot of good, there's a lot of bad, but there's really a lot of good out there. So I always try to listen to as much as I can, read as much stuff as I can before I kind of formulate my opinion. And uh, you do a great job each and every week, buddy. Thanks for giving me another uh, just about an hour of your time here, and I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for having me. It was a good time, Gino, as always, bud. Okay, buddy, have a nice one. Scott Shapiro here on That's What G Said. Don't go anywhere, folks. We will be right back. Big thanks to Scott Shapiro, our good buddy, for the help with the uh, NFL Week 5 preview. Just to recap one more time, Scott's picks, he likes the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Patriots this week. So Scott and I, we're going to go head up against each other in two different spots. So now I'll give you the picks recap for me. 17-10 and 10 so far on the week against the spread. That is including the Rams' loss. Unfortunately, that wasn't an against the spread loss. That was just a... a Straight up loss, but we're 17 and 10 nonetheless. And I will have five plays for you this week. Buffalo plus the three. We still don't know if it's going to be Josh Allen or Matt Barkley. You know what? I don't really mind. This is more of a play against Tennessee. It's a good stat from RJ White. Tennessee is 11, 17, and two against the spread when favored recently. And then after a win, they are 10, 20, and one. This is a team that is not consistent. They play a really good week, and then they bounce back the next week, and they just look flat. And I think Buffalo's defense is really, really good. I think Tennessee's going to have a hard time scoring on them, enough so that Matt Barkley and Buffalo can keep it close, even if it isn't Josh Allen. Denver. Denver, you can find plus six, plus six and a half. Obviously, I like the Denver side, so look for that plus six and a half. I've been playing teams the week after they play Miami. This has worked for me so far three times this year. In week one, Baltimore played Miami. So then I played against Baltimore in week two when they played uh, Arizona and Arizona covered the spread. Next week, New England played Miami. New England played the Jets the week after. The Jets covered the spread. The next week, the Dolphins played Miami. The Dolphins played the Saints the week after. The Saints covered the spread. So far, teams are three are 0-3 against the spread after the week after they play Miami. I'm going to do the same thing with the Chargers here. And we'll play Denver, who is a lot better than the 0-4 record would suggest. We'll play the Denver Broncos because the Chargers might be just a little overvalued with Gordon coming back into the fray and coming off that Dolphins win. So Denver, plus the 6.5. Green Bay, this was one of the games that Scott and I are going to make a little beer bet on. Straight up in here, I like Green Bay. I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. Green Bay and, uh, and Dallas. I think Green Bay's defense is very, very good, and and people kind of jumped off them after that 
Thursday night game last week where they lost to Philly. I think this game should be more like two and a half, three. So I feel like we're getting an extra half a point here. Let's take Green Bay plus the three and a half at Dallas. Jacksonville. I'm going to end up going with this game because I'm seeing some three and a halves up there. So same type of thing. Jacksonville, Minshew at Carolina plus the three and a half. To me, this feels like it should be three. If you're getting an extra half, take it. Make sure you get the three and a half though with Jacksonville. And then close things out Monday night with Cleveland. So we'll have two games straight head up with Scott Shapiro. I'm going to go with the Browns on Monday night. Uh, They're plus four I'm seeing in some spots. So Browns plus the four. You know what? I think these two teams are both solid teams. I think Cleveland's defense is very good. We'll see what happens with Landry. Cleveland at San Fran plus the four. Five plays for me this week. Buffalo, Denver, Green Bay, Cleveland. Jacksonville, Buffalo plus three, Denver plus six and a half, Green Bay plus three and a half, Cleveland plus four, Jacksonville plus three and a half. Those are my five plays trying to improve on the 17 and 10 record. Let's get into your horse racing for Saturday. Just a couple plays for you. Big weekend stakes races at Keeneland, stakes races at Santa Anita, stakes races at Belmont. Before we get into the horse racing, stop what you're doing right now. Head on over to CindyCarava.com. That is full service realtor Cindy Carava there. So at CindyCarava.com, you can find out all of her information. She can help you out with anything you need in the industry of real estate. She can help you out with buying, selling, leasing, improving your home. If you're just curious on finding out how much your home is worth, she can help you with that. We're going to start talking horse racing. The name sounds familiar. Cindy Carava. She is the wife of horse racing trainer Jack Carava, who's been a mainstay here on the Southern California racing circuit for the last 30 years. I trust her with my life. I know her personally. She's one of the most kind and genuine people you will ever meet. Check it out right now. CindyCarava.com in the San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County. But if you have any questions, even if you're not in the area, she'll help you out. Send her an email. CindyC.Realtor at gmail.com. Just a, a race to talk about it. I don't really like any of the... I, I couldn't find anything to, to bet at Santa Anita that I loved. But we will have a a fun race to watch where we're going to see in the ninth race at Santa Anita, Omaha Beach making his return to the races. Remember Omaha Beach who won the Arkansas Derby for Richard Mandela? He would have been the Kentucky Derby favorite, but he had to scratch prior to that. And he's had some issues. There were two or three times where it looked like he was going to be able to make his return to the races and had a little bit of a setback, got a little sick. Now he's going to be making his return in a sprint. He's actually never been this short in his entire career. The shortest race he's been at was seven furlongs when he broke his maiden. And he's going to have to deal with Chancelot for Navarro. Remember Chancelot with that 121 buyer on July the 28th? Chancelot really, really quick. Probably a lot quicker than Flagstaff in here. He will be real tough to catch. Had to deal with a bad rail, the inside, in the jerkins at Saratoga on August the 24th. Now gets to cut back from seven furlongs to six furlongs. This guy can fly and give him a major bounce back possibility because Chancelot will be very, very live in the Breeders' Cup sprint if he runs well here. I like what Navarro did. Send him over to Santa Anita, get a prep race under his belt early on. Not a race to bet, but just a race to watch. We'll see how Omaha Beach comes back. We'll see how Chancelot races over the track there at Santa Anita trying to get his nice prep race for the Breeders' Cup. 
Let's go to Belmont Park, race number eight. I'm going to talk two races for you at Belmont where uh, I have a couple plays. And this will be Belmont Park, October 5th. So this is Friday, race number eight. We're talking about the Hill Prince, mile and an eighth on the turf course. Let's go to the seven, standard deviation. I've liked this horse for quite some time. He was a, a first out winner last year at Saratoga. And then he went right into the Breeders' Futurity this weekend a year ago, and he was a pretty good third. Then he was in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, kept an eye on him at the beginning of 2019. He had took a while to get back to the races, and I think now he's really starting to kind of get into his best standard deviation, three-year-old, grass winner uh, in two of his last three starts, stakes races. They're short, small stakes races. Nonetheless, he got the job done. I think standard deviation coming into his own right now, in a race where, I mean, who who scares you? There's no real monster in this Hill Prince. Let's go to standard deviation. If we can get 7-2 to two on standard deviation, we'll make a win wager in race number 8. Race number 9 at Belmont is the Turf Classic. Not a real strong opinion for me. I think any of those can win. But we will go on to race number 10 which is the Champagne, and I'll mention two horses in here. I'll take a little shot against Green Light Go, who's very impressive in his two wins. But the two horses I'm going to use in here, I guess three. Uh, I, I wouldn't talk you off Tis the Law to the outside, who is pretty impressive winning, but I actually like Three Technique and Godzilla a little bit. So if you're playing late exotics, or I'll take a shot against Green Light Go. Godzilla might be the quickest in here, with the race on the slop last time out, I think we have an opportunity to give him a legitimate excuse, and he he might be overlaid and a, and a higher price than he should be, just because people see that effort, think it was a little disappointing, and they want to go elsewhere. Don't get rid of Godzilla yet. He's got a shot in here. I do think the horse I'll play to win, if he's around 7-2, to is 3 Technique. 3 Technique was behind your next out grade 1 winner, Basin, who defeated Godzilla in the hopeful. 3 Technique was not far behind Basin that day on July the 21st. He he was in, he was inside, and by the time he was able to actually get some room and start running, it was too late for 3 Technique because Basin had already opened up a few lengths and snuck away. Then after, he comes right back and wins at seven furlongs. Looks like a horse visually who can run all day long. That is the number four, 3 Technique. We'll hook up the four with the five, Godzilla. Those will be the two horses we use in race number 10 at Belmont Park. Over at Keeneland. Get your past performances out for Keeneland. Love, love the Keeneland races. But I will say this. The takeout issue the last couple of years was a frustrating one. Where they've gone up and down and up and down. So, you know, a lot of us as horse players years ago, we wouldn't even discuss takeout really. We would, it wasn't just something that was talked about. We didn't really know it. About it very much It wasn't prevalent And we hear about it a lot more Dem- When there are a lot of options to wager Horse racing, right? Sports Daily fantasy Make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck Make sure you're getting the best return on your investment If you're wagering on something that's just taking extra percentages of your money Why? It's not. It's different It's not the only thing you have to wager on anymore Don't Don't let people do that to you whether it's a track that you love, races that you love, don't let somebody take extra dollars out of your pocket. 
So try to find out what those takeout rates are at all the tracks. And, you know, most tracks, it's the it's just the low takeout pick five. That's the best wager. It's the hardest wager to hit. But if you put the most of your bankroll into it, into the low takeout wagers, and you focus in on those, your bankroll is going to be bigger when you win. Keeneland. Two plays. The eighth race is the first lady. And I'm going to mention two horses in here. Obviously, the the favorites, Rushing Fall, who will take a lot of money. But we'll go against Rushing Fall in here with two. The number four, Uni, who just missed second, was rolling up the inside and had to alter and angle around and then in between, had to slow down her stride a little bit. And, and that might have cost her. And then Juliet Foxtrot, who sat second, off of a long shot, moved to the lead, opened up a few lengths, just got nailed by Basilica last time out. That was going a mile and an eighth. Now you get the cutback to a mile for a filly who has a nice tactical style who should be right up sitting off the pace. Let's take a swing against Rushing Fall. If you play the late exotics, let's use the three, Juliet Foxtrot, and the four, Uni, in race number eight. Now in race number nine, I'm not going to tell you in if you're playing like a late pick four or late pick five, I won't tell you to play against Governor Morris. I thought he was impressive. But it all depends on how you're approaching the wager, right? And what how you approach the sequence. From a, a specific race to race, I'm going to put Governor Morris in the second spot. The I, I like the two Cassie horses in here a lot. Tap it to win. Broke well, was in a tight spot at the rail, took back a bit, waited, got a nice opening inside, moved through, drew off, beat a nice next out winner who came over to to win at Churchill Downs. I I like what I saw from Tap It to win from the rail. And then Enforceable. Enforceable's damn, Just Whistle Dixie is a multiple graded stakes winner in grade one placed. She's dropped six fulls to race. All of them are winners, including... New Year's Day, grade one winner, 1.1 million. That's a half brother to Enforceable. And then Enforceable is a full brother to Mohamed. Remember Mohamed, five for 13. He won his first five starts, four graded stakes races. He won three times at the age of two, including two graded stakes races. And then Enforceable is also a full brother to Kingley, who is three for nine, who's earned 247,000 and a grade three winner. So this is a very well-bred two-year-old who took a nice step forward when he went long for the first time on the main track. I like Enforceable to hit the board in here and to spice things up. So maybe we play Tap It to Win Enforceable and Governor Morris as our exotics and we try to just get Enforceable into the exactas, into the tries there. And if you play any late exotics, make sure to include the one Tap It to Win and the five Enforceable. That's going to do it. For this episode of That's What G Said, make sure to get to YouTube. Subscribe. You will get every episode of That's What G Said podcast. And we're getting closer and closer to the Breeders' Cup. Folks, come Breeders' Cup time, we're going to have a full deep dive on the Breeders' Cup where we go through every single horse in every single race on both the Friday and the Saturday cards. You'll want to subscribe right now. YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud. That way when we... Record that episode. You won't miss it. Have a great one, folks. We'll be talking to you soon. Thanks for listening to That's What G Said.